Rumble. And I'm Michael Moore. I've thought a lot over the last 24 hours about what I would want to say today. I thought, well, I saw the picture there of the Pope alone in St. Peter's Square, alone inside the church. And I thought, well, maybe there's some Easter message I'd, I'd want to share with you. And then I thought, well, you know, hasn't Christianity really done enough harm to this world? Not, not the beliefs, not the ideas, but the organized religion. I was actually, I sat down with a piece of paper and tried to figure out of all the organized religions, which one has over time resulted in the deaths of how many millions of, of people. In other words, the, um, the particular side was fighting on behalf of either their religion or because their religion told them to, or because their, their religion, well, their religion was the best religion and everybody else was a heathen. I don't know how, how, I don't, I don't know exactly how you quantify this over a period of centuries, but let's just, let's just admit that the Christians have, uh, made their mark on this planet and of course, that's not to say that the other religions um, haven't caused immense pain and suffering also. Except if you read their books, you, you see that the, the things that they say they believe in, the values prescribed by the, either the founders of the religion, the, the original board of directors, whether it was just a, a guy named Moses, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, you go down the line of it and, you know, most of them seem to have their, you know, seem to have some pretty good ideas in terms of how we should live and how we should treat each other and, and how we should, um, be there for the poor and those who are the have nots. But somehow when the, uh, the originators of these ideas um, are essentially gone. The people who follow them and who claim to be followers of them use that uh, religion to to create a lot of a lot of unnecessary um, horror. So, um, so I sort of struggled with this do we <clears throat> do we say something today on this holy day for christians the way i was raised um or do we or do we just like bag all that not bag the ideas not the not don't not dismiss the idea of love your neighbor as yourself love your enemy be there for those who have no home, for those who are sick, for those who are imprisoned. Oh no, there's, there's. Uh, you read the Quran. Um, you read um, uh, the Talmud. You read the, the Bible. Buddha's writings. Um, there's so many wonderful things that's some of it's very poetic 
But the organized religion is another matter. And so I guess what I wanted to say today on this particular day, on the evening of this day, on the eve of this day, depending on when you're listening uh, to this podcast, is to just speak directly to you and tell you that I think that even though we are in this very difficult and dark time, I not only believe that we are going to come out of this, we are all going to come out of this. Well, I don't really mean that, do I? Not all of us. Trump bragging yesterday that well, we may only have 60,000 Americans die in this pandemic like it was a victory. That's more Americans than the Americans that died in the Vietnam War. And yet he, he was celebrating it in some weird way after declaring earlier in the week that farm workers were essential workers, that that our food system, they're very concerned that at the very beginning of the food system, the people that pick our food, the people that toil in the fields, if they aren't there, uh, we may not eat two weeks from now, four weeks from now. So farm workers were declared essential workers, and they couldn't quite square it with the fact that they are also trying to remove so many of them because they are, quote, illegal. They're not here legally. But we couldn't live without them. There's your irony, folks. We could not survive if we didn't have millions of people who are not documented citizens of this country, if they hadn't struggled to get here and come here and then take the worst jobs that exist in this country, in the case, in this case, farm workers. You're worried about standing in line at Whole Foods? <laughs> You're only there at Whole Foods because of the good graces of those who toil in these fields for you, scared every minute that they could be snatched by ice and, and put in a prison somewhere until they're finally removed. But now we need them. We need them so we can eat during the pandemic. So they're essential workers. They're illegal, but they're essential Hmm. But yesterday, no, was it, what was it? Friday. It was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Friday, Trump declares that in order to help the agricultural industry, he was going to recommend that the wages of farm workers be lowered, be legally lowered underneath the already extremely low legal minimum wage. So in order to help the agricultural industry recover and, and, you know, keep our food supply going. So the people who have to bear the brunt of this are the people who are already truly on a daily basis, bearing the brunt of it. They're to make less money, even though they're essential workers. I think all, start there. And then you think of all the essential workers that have to work during this, who don't get to stay at home and whine and complain about how 
they're climbing the walls and the kids are driving them crazy and this and that and whatever. The people that have to drive the city buses, the people that have to run the subways, the people that have to keep our lights on. How would we even, how would you even be listening to me right now if some worker or workers at Name Your Utility, if they're not at the coal plant right now burning the coal or the natural gas facility or somewhere up and down all the the electrical lines, all the ways that we get heat into the, where we live, who's doing that right now? Some worker is doing that. Somebody had to leave the house. A whole bunch of people had to leave the house today just so that you can hear me on this podcast. Essential workers. The people that have to stock the grocery shelves overnight. The people that have to stand there at the, at the cashier dealing with the long line of people that are not six feet apart from each other. The people that have to do all the, somebody's got to pick up the garbage, folks. Who's been picking up the garbage during the pandemic? You? Me? Um, is it is it some nice white boy named Justin? Connor, have you been picking it up, the garbage? <laughs> no offense. No offense to the Justins and Connors out there. I, I actually know some of you. Um, but you get my drift, I think, here. And then we're shocked, shocked that so many African-Americans and Latinos are dying. So many more than white people are dying from this because they don't have the privilege of staying at home, sheltering in place. They're essential because really white people, fellow white people, how would our system run without black people and Latino people and other people of color and people who don't make a whole hell of a lot of money. How would we get by? We think we've got it rough now during this, what we're going through. What if we were them? Why do they have to die at a higher rate? What's the statistic in Chicago? The city's 30% black. 70% of the deaths are African-Americans. Same in Detroit. Close, I think, you know. They only show the statistics for the whole state of Michigan, but you know, you know what that really means. You know where that's really happening. It's happening in Detroit. On this day, the Easter message the Pope I met the Pope I met him it was about a year and a half ago right yeah September of uh, September October of 2018 he has that uh, that weekly audience that he what he calls an audience you know where he, he meets uh, people you know mostly it's the public showing up in St. Peter's Square and then he comes out and says a few prayers and waves to everybody. And we were there at the, the Italian opening of my last film. And 
It's like, geez, I wonder if we could just call up the vote. <laughs> We're here. Seems like a decent guy. Drives a little beater car around Rome. Seems to be a different kind of pope. Said that said that atheists are will be in heaven too with us. Can you believe that? They're gonna let in the atheists. <laughs> it's not a sin to be gay. All the things that he's he's upset a lot of the conservative Catholics over his uh, few years of being pope. Hopefully he'll do something. He'll do more. Whatever. But uh, but we called up and then uh, they said, yeah, yeah, there's a there's the public thing, and then afterwards there's this little kind of semi-private thing, and um, I'm sure the Pope would like to meet you. Whoa, okay. Uh, so we showed up. It was my sister, myself, um, and um, we stood up essentially on the side of the altar, and he read all his prayer of the day and gave his little sermon of the day and he would he would do it in he'd do like a paragraph in Italian and then he'd do a paragraph in Spanish and then English and Portuguese French German it must have been seven or eight languages it does make the sermon a little long but uh, it's quite impressive listening to him try to speak to as many people in the world. There was an African language in there. Um, and when it was over, um, he came over to the little meeting place where um, it was myself and my sister and uh, the ambassador from Mexico was there. And I'm trying to think who else, uh, probably you know, three or four others. And when he finally gets to me, <laughs> um, he uh, he says, "Oh, the filmmaker," in English. Um, I said, "Yes," and then he starts he starts rattling off uh, how he likes my films and this or that, and um, I was I was kind of I didn't know what to say really, and then. But I had a question I wanted to ask him because I'd heard him talk about this before. And the Pope before him had even said something similar. JP Dew. I said, I, I, I have a question I want to ask you. Um, do you think capitalism is a sin? And without pause, he goes, see, si. see, si. yes. And then proceeded to make his comments about greed and and um, those who have nothing. I said, yes, it is a system set up to benefit the few at the expense of the many. <laughs> it was really, it was quite a moment. And um, because... I, you know, any religion is constantly dealing with the question of good versus evil. And it seems like that regardless of what you might have thought capitalism was or 
what it was intended to do in the old days or whatever, it's really turned into, you know what it's turned into. And you know the harm that it's caused. And it allows a leader, for instance, a big believer of capitalism, a huge beneficiary of capitalism, to say um, that you, farm workers, you are essential and you must work right now because we have to eat. We'll deal with your illegality later. Oh, and by the way, you need to earn less money. The Pope um, then told me that I need to um, get back to work and make more movies. <laughs> hey, uh, don't be issuing edicts like that. Uh, scare me. You know, I don't. Don't want a lightning bolt to strike me just because I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm not making a movie, but hmm. And just before I left, I, I, I said, I just, just, um, just one more favor, if I may. Um, women, uh, equality within the institution. He says, yes, yes. Growing up Catholic, you know, it was anything but that. You could see that from just being a little child. This is uh, just one more institution set up and run by men for the things that men want and need. And, and in the last half century, um, leading the charge, the Catholic Church, in telling women what they can do with their bodies. Completely male, male-run, male-dominated endeavor. Clearly the gender that runs the church um, believes that it will never get pregnant <laughs> and will never have to worry about it. How big of them. Anyways, I was, but I was very moved by the, by the, um, the conversation and the um, um, standing there with him and seeing him alone there in the square. I'm guessing that's not probably how he would like that to be. And there is this sense of, in all of us right now, this sense of loneliness. Even, even if you're in the house with somebody or somebody's um, We've all been made aware of our mortality. And what are we doing? This is the problem when you've had too much time to sit around and think the mind wanders. What are we, what are we doing? What are we here for? Haven't you had this feeling that when we're out of this, when we're through this pandemic, and remember, we're only in phase one. We're going to have to do this a number of times over the next two years. I'm sorry to have to say that again, but aren't, aren't, we, aren't we all sort of thinking, isn't there a better way to live? Isn't there a more just way to live? And those are just those of us who have the privilege of being able to sit around and think. Because the essential workers... They're not at home. They're making sure we can eat. 
that we can get to the hospital. That if we end up at the hospital, that they will try to save our lives. Every person who played a role in this, when we're through this, has to be rewarded in all sorts of ways. But we can start today, as I'm sure some of you have, just um, expressing our love, our absolute love and devotion to them for helping, for struggling, so that we could have the time, those of us who get to sit at home and think about how we're going to fix this world. We can fix this world. We owe it to the people who have had that struggle and that suffering. We owe it to those who've died, everyone who has died so far. Let their deaths not be in vain. Let's two years, five years down the road, look back and say, it was awful that we lost this beloved person, this family member, this friend of ours, this neighbor down the hall. But then we picked up, we picked ourselves up and we picked up the mantle and we said, we're going to create a better world in their name so that when we, when we have the things we have and we live the way that we want to be living and we're treating each other the way we should be treating each other, we can say this all began out of a massive, a massive death and despair. But instead of sinking, instead of wallowing in it, instead of building false memorials to it, the living memorial was that we all got off our ass and we got busy and we fixed it. And we, the people, literally became we, the people. And maybe we wouldn't have done that had you not died or you had not died or you, or you, or you, your deaths were not in vain. You know, when we're going, growing up, going to Catholic school on Good Friday, they tell the story of Jesus being nailed to the cross and hanging there for three hours until he passed away. And the, his, his seven last words or the seven last things that he said that are recorded. And it's, it's, you're a little kid and you're, they're reading this from the altar and it's a pretty frightening thing because it's clear the guy hanging on the cross didn't want to die. That he was in such pain with the nails through his hands and that that's how he's being propped up on that cross through the nails in his hands and his feet and however else they, whatever else they did to him. And he's going through the most awful pain and begging God to take this away. Take this job away from me. Please don't, don't let me go like this. He says his last words to his mother. He asks his friend to take care of his mother. In that moment, he's not a believer in whatever the thing is that he's supposed to be, the son of God, the afterlife, all this other stuff. He's just wanting to live and he's not going to live. He is in a slow death. 
And then three, three days, less than three days later, he, he rises from the dead. The resurrection. And the story has this happy ending. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying, folks, we can have that happy ending. In spite of all the death and destruction that we're having to go through right now. Instead of being paralyzed with fear and terror, because any one of us, myself, you, any one of us could be next. Many of us will be next. If it's me, I don't want to have lived and then died in vain for no friggin' reason. And if it happens to you, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to be forgotten. I don't want this moment to be forgotten. I want to do something. The majority of people did not have to die. Had we all done this differently, had we had our unelected leadership doing its job, none of this and none of the tragedies are are about to occur None of those have to happen. So that's my commitment to you, to you, to your loved ones, to anybody that you know that has passed away during this, that will pass away. I will not let this be forgotten. I will not let them have died for no reason whatsoever. I will look back with you in a few years, not long, and we will feel a sense of pride in some ways that that we rose to the occasion that we did not just let this happen and ignore it that we did not just when we didn't have to stay at home in November that we didn't stay at home or if we are at home we have fought for it to make sure that our voice gets to legally be heard I'm going to do this I'm going to do I'm I'm asking you to join with me i'll join with you you can ask me we none of us we don't have to take this anymore this is it this is it i've seen enough i really have seen enough and i with you we will resurrect this <laughs> this country this world this planet to be something better than what it's been. And I can already see it. I can already see it. I can already, you know, I can already see it because I already see the evildoers are already trying to do it. Trump yesterday making the pronouncement that young people, you do not have to pay your student loan debts for the next six months. Wow. Okay, so really, see, this is what they're all admitting with all the things they're saying. If you don't have to pay your student loan that now or for the next six months, how about for the ne- six months after that or six years? Why are we even forcing our young people into this virtual debtor's prison? It's wrong. We know it's wrong. And when the back is against the wall, what do even the bad people say? Yeah, well, yeah uh, um, people, you don't have to pay your mortgage this month. <laughs> Uh, landlords, you can't evict people. <laughs> Farm workers, we hate you. We hate you illegals, but you're essential. 
they're releasing nonviolent offenders out of the prisons. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. Don't have them come back. And don't put anybody else in prison again unless they're, you know, I don't even want to say this, but because the way, the concept of even prison is wrong, that we're smart enough and good enough to be able to have a system set up to protect us from people who would do us harm. I get that. But when they're, they're already releasing the, the so-called nonviolent offenders, why were they in prison in the first place? You see, my point is, is that, that the people, the haves, the 1% who have benefited greatly at the expense of everybody else now realize that they can't quite keep it going. Even the moderate Democrat who's going to be the nominee for the highest office in the land felt like he had to do something this week. So he's going to lower the free health care for all that we do already have for Medicare for people 65 and over. He wants to, he's going to lower it to 60 years old. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing. That's a good thing. It's a step. Okay. So you see, so he even see, he, we take him by the hand. We help him see that that's just not enough, but you're in the right direction. You didn't raise the eligibility age from 65 to 70. You went the other way. Good for you. Now I know you can do even more. They know, they know their system is wrong. And they know that when we come out of this, after having lost so many people, after having um, gone through it, the essential workers who are not at home, every we're not going to put up with this anymore. And they know we're coming. We're coming. And that's a good thing. I hope everybody is enjoying this weekend. I hope you enjoy this day, regardless of whatever you believe in. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to, in the uh, in the immortal words of Money Python, um, choose to look at this today, and for the days after this, differently. Join with me. Yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> We're going to look on the bright side of life. That's right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Hang in there. Let's do this. Be well. This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Come on! Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bag.